Let's go before the Lord this morning. Father in heaven, um, you have sent your son, uh, the God-man, the eternal son who took on flesh and died for our sins, rose again, uh, is coming again to judge the living and the the dead. And uh, Lord, we want to be faithful um, as your ambassadors as we go out and we encounter people. Lord, we pray for the fellow that... um, Uh, was kind of the owner of the restaurant we were at, Lord, we just pray for his soul, that you would grant um, mercy to see that um, uh, before we look outside and see all the the horrible things going on in the world, which are true in there, but they come from um, our own sinfulness, um, individual sinfulness, and you, Jesus, came to die for that. Uh, Lord, we just pray for his soul. We pray for um, Emily's co-worker that you would... um, uh, pray that the seeds of the gospel would um, bear fruit, that some of the conversations and di- dialogue that's happened would uh, sink in. Um, we pray that you would rescue him. We pray that you give Emily wisdom and further conversations, and also just the, the, the relationship um, that, um, as she works alongside, would display um, uh, w- what it looks like to live as a Christian, let alone be- um, believe what she um, confesses. So, um, Lord, we ask for that. We pray for mercy. We pray for our um, community. We pray for um, the Dalles, Hood River, um, really just this whole region in the mid-Columbia Gorge, um, Lord, that we would be faithful in proclaiming the gospel, um, that people would be saved. Uh, we know that it is your desire to see people saved. Uh, you use us as means, and you use our prayer as means. Lord, as we think about prayer, um, we want to keep praying diligently, um, believingly, um, that expectantly, that you will, um, you will answer these prayers, that we will see souls saved um, and baptized and brought into the church. So, Lord, we would pray that that, that would happen. Uh, Lord, bless our time as we continue to consider prayer this morning. Help us to grow in it and be faithful in it and be constant in it with thanksgiving. We thank you for how you've answered many of our prayers, um, and we would um, uh, just ask for your blessing on this morning in your name. Amen. All right, so we are talking about prayer. Uh, we've defined prayer. I'll go ahead and keep reading that definition just to keep reminding us of it. Prayer is reverential communication with God, which acknowledges God as Savior and desires his relational presence, which is distant in a fallen world. Prayer typically requests God to act in some way based on who God is, what he does, what he's promised to do, and his relationship with the one praying. The content of prayer is some mixture of praise, thanksgiving, confession, lament, query, and petition. Um, we um, talked about why we should pray, because it's commanded and invited, because God answers, because God uses, a prayer, uses prayer as a means of accomplishing his plans, because it gives us joy to see God answer prayer, because it maintains our relationship with God through honest communication. Um, so that's what we've talked about. Last week we talked about um, who we're praying to, and what we were doing in that is thinking about um, even though God is not present, like face-to-face present, like it will be in the new heavens and the new earth. Um, we are oriented towards him, and we would want to speak just as if we were in his presence. Um, and so we meditated on uh, just kind of a lot of those attributes that we talked about in the knowing God portion of things, and then also looked at some examples of Abraham, Moses, um, Isaiah, and how they speak to God when they're in his presence, just to give us examples of how to uh, approach God. Now, we're going to continue on that theme of 
who we pray to. And many of you guys brought this up last week, um, uh, and I was grateful for that. And we're going to focus on it this week. We pray to a triune God. And so what does it look like to pray um, to God knowing that he is a trinity? How does the Bible instruct us? Now, we talked about this um, a bit when we were going through the Trinity in our Knowing God series. And so some of this will be review, but, um, but that's okay. We need review. Um, I have a leaky bucket brain, um, so it helps me to review things. I'm sure it helps you guys too. Um, so when we pray to God and we are cognizant, as we ought to be, that God is a Trinity, how does that shape our prayer? Roles. Yeah, yeah. Yes, there are different roles for each person. And that fleshes, so that's going to be part of it. Uh, one of the things we said um, is uh, praying according to the roles of each person of the Trinity. Now, let's, let's this is kind of like review, right? So, uh, what are the roles, generally speaking, of each person? of the Trinity. What does the Father do? The instigator. That's a good word. Um, the instigator. He's the initiator um, of all divine activity. Um, we see that again and again and again that um, to the Father... It's not that the other persons aren't involved. They obviously are involved. But he is the initiator of all divine activity. Okay? Um, what about the sun? Okay, uh, Redeemer, so Savior, that would be uh, in relation to humanity, but even if we think more generally, the Son um, carries out the Father's will, right? So the Father is the initiator, uh, the Son submits, I would argue even in eternity, to the Father um, and carries out the Father's will. There is, we could say, between the Father and the Son, there is an eternal, uh, eternal relationship um, the Father loves the Son. The Son loves the Father. Uh, we kind of talk, In that relationship, we talked about the Spirit. Um, the Spirit um, facilitates uh, that relationship, eternal relationship between the Father and the Son, the, 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 um, that dynamic uh, between the Father and the Son. Uh, you know, if you think about, uh, and we'll go to this passage in a little bit, but um, that... Uh, Galatians 4 talks about the spirit of the Son cries out, Abba, Father, right? So the spirit is facilitating this communication, this relationship between the Father and the Son. And then we get to, as redeemed creatures, uh, adopted, get brought into that. Now, when we start thinking about praying, first thing we think about 
is we pray to the Father. Usually, when we pray, we pray to the Father. Uh, that's, we can, can you guys think of a passage that would support that statement? No, Lord's Prayer, yeah, exactly. So, um, yeah, Matthew 6, uh, 9, Jesus is giving a template, not like, you know, just verbatim repeat this every time, but a template for, in general, how you structure your prayers. And Jesus says, Matthew 6, 9, pray then like this, our Father in heaven. Um, may your name be treated as holy. Your, the Father's kingdom, come. Your, the Father's will, be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. So when we pray, we're not praying to God in general. Now there are sometimes, even if, I don't know if you've noticed this, the prayer prompts, there's, there's a way of like praising the Trinity as a whole. Um, but in general, we're in general, when we're praying, we're praying to the Father as the initiator uh, of all divine activity. Um, another passage, uh, Ephesians 3. Go to Ephesians 3. So Paul is um, talking about his um, role in the gospel as an apostle to the Gentiles. Um, he's reflected on many truths of, uh, of the gospel and is about to take a turn in the letter to, um, okay, how, does this tr- how do these truths shape your life? Um, but let's pick it up in uh, Ephesians 3.14 through 21. Someone go ahead and read Ephesians 3.14 through 21. Now, there's much we could say about this prayer and investigate, but what I want you to notice is who is Paul praying to? Or he's not even praying right here. He's just describing his prayer. But he's describing his prayer. Uh, who's he praying to? The Father, right? So he's bowing his knees before the Father. The Father is the initiator uh, of all divine activity, and so he's, he's addressing that, okay? Now, um, so we understand that, that usually... When we pray, we address the Father. Now, we pray through, so if we pray to, so focus on the prepositions here, if we pray to the Father, uh, we pray through the mediation of the Son. We pray to the Father, but we pray through the mediation of the Son. Um, let's, there's, a, there's several good passages to just kind of get our minds set on this. Uh, go to Romans 8. Um, 
the ladies were just through this this passage through the the women's Bible study. Um, but Romans eight, and again, there's much that could be said uh, about this passage. But um, look at verse thirty four. So I'm going to read that. It's 8.34. When you got it, someone read that. Okay, so what's the picture in this verse? Right, so he dies. No one's to condemn. But he's more than that. He's raised. Uh, And part of the good news of the resurrection is that um, Jesus is raised and he is ascended. Um, And where is he? He is at the right. He shares the throne with his father. Kind of, um, you can see this in Revelation, but he's at the right hand of the father. New Testament is very, very consistent on that point uh, because it's based in Psalm 110. Um, Yahweh says to my Lord, referring to the Christ, um, sit at my right hand. Um, while I make your enemies your footstool, right? And so that all those right hand passages that you see in the New Testament is just it's just reflecting on that reality that um, since Christ has been raised, He's ascended on high. He's at the right hand of the Father, and here we get this picture: Jesus is interceding. Now this goes beyond um, when we think of Jesus' intercession; He's in the immediate presence of His Father. Um, so it's not so much that Jesus is praying on our behalf, in, because we say prayer is kind of this, this reflection of distance, but he is in God's presence, and he's pleading, he's communicating, with, he's interceding on his people's behalf. Um, you know, First uh, Timothy 2 would go along with this. First Timothy um, 2.5, um, there's uh, one mediator between God and man, the man, Christ Jesus. Jesus is the mediator. Um, he's the high priest. Uh, between God and man. He's the one that Job would long for, say, I need someone who can lay his hand on God and who can lay his hand on man and be a mediator. Jesus is that mediator. First uh, John 2. Someone go ahead and read First John 2, 1 through 2. Through two, please. Okay, so uh, how is Jesus described? Now it's focusing on sin, and John saying, "You know, I'm I'm writing these things so that you don't sin. But if you do sin, um, what's the good news?" Yes. So there's the basis of Christ's advocacy, which would be his propitiation, his wrath-appeasing sacrifice on behalf of sinners, um, like you and me. And, but then he, he also uses this term advocate, which um, 
it, it kind of is a hard word to bring over to English because it's, it's like sometimes it can emphasize being a helper, but here it seems to more have the kind of legal connotation of an advocate, like um, someone who's, who's um, arguing, um, not like Jesus and the Father are like arguing, like having a fight. That's not what I'm saying, but like um, uh, arguing our case interceding that would be part of that whole intercessory prayer so even as we think about you know we talked about prayer part of that's going to be confession right um well how do we know that our confession and our pleas for forgiveness are going to be heard because we pray through the mediation of the son um so um, we are confident that we are going to be forgiven because of christ's sacrifice and because christ is pleading on our behalf um but that's that's part of the trinitarian shape so we pray to the father through the Son. Now, some, you might say, well, wait a minute. So does that mean I shouldn't pray to Jesus? No, uh, because we do have examples uh, uh, in Scripture of direct address to Jesus. So let me give you a couple of those. Uh, well, we can even see Jesus commanding that. So let's go to, let's go to John, uh, the Gospel of John 14. Um, let's do 1412 through 14. So this is, you know, this section, huge section from John 13 to 17, as Jesus is instructing his apostles, and um, also the, his instruction carries over um, to, not in every way, but to his disciples in general. So 1412 uh, through 14, so someone go ahead and read that. Okay, so uh, who's being asked here? Uh, well, look at verse 14. So who's being asked? Yeah, so he says me. If you ask me anything um, in my name, I will do it. So um, now we got a couple things here to talk about, uh, but here we can at least see that um, Jesus is calling on his disciples to, to, to ask him, him stuff. Now, he's still that mediator. He still has that role, but it is appropriate to ask Jesus. Now, let's, you, you know, this, is, this, inter but this passage also intersects with this idea of praying in Jesus' name, right? In Jesus' name, amen. We always say that. Why do we say that? Yeah, ask him in his name. But what does that mean? Like when I say in Jesus' name, um, amen. Uh, amen just means uh, make it firm, establish it. Um, it's a Hebrew word, actually. Um, but yeah, good. So we're under his authority. So we're not just playing, we're not praying carte blanche, right? Like give me whatever I want. And I'm just going to sign Jesus' name like a magic formula on the end of it and get whatever I want. Uh, when we pray in Jesus' name, we're under his authority. We're also reflecting, I, I think, um, 
you know, what, what John has, you know, said in 1 John 2, 1 through 2, uh, why do we, why do we, what basis do we have for our prayers to be answered? Well, Jesus' name, because we are connected with Jesus. We are, um, as baptized Christians, we are stamped, uh, well, not only with the name of Jesus, but the name of the Trinity, uh, but because of Jesus, we are brought into union with Jesus. Uh, we are, uh, he is our mediator. He is uh, the propitiation for our sins. So the basis, the very basis for our prayers being accepted is Jesus' name, that we are, part, we are united with him. Um, and so we see that here as well. So just to clarify that when we pray in Jesus' name, uh, don't just have that as a um, kind of a throwaway tagline to your prayers, but we, what's behind that is um, we're submitted to Jesus' authority. We are, we understand that the only way our prayer is going to be accepted is because the Son is our mediator. Um, yeah, Susan. Yeah. Yeah. That's, yeah, it's a good... Yeah, it's good. Good observation. So that's the seven sons of Sceva in Acts. And they're going around. It's like, oh, man, this is awesome. We see these other people, these Christians, Paul and whoever else, like casting out demons in the name of Jesus. We'll, we'll just do it. But we'll do it. And this was kind of common at that time, like um, even in, in Jewish kind of magical mysticism. There were parts of that in Judaism that like, oh, we'll just use it as... as um, a sacred word, you know, a magical passphrase like abracadabra, right? Um, and so they're doing this, and it's just it's just hilarious. It's like one of the most funny um, scenes in the whole Bible. Like the demon's like, "Well, I've I know Jesus, and I've heard about Paul, but who are you guys?" And then he just beats them all up and sends them away naked. So um, great story, uh, uh, but that also shows seriously, right, like we are connected with Jesus. We belong to Jesus. Um, we, are, uh, he, we are united with Jesus. Um, we are his people. Um, so, yeah, Tony. Now, there is one other key, clear episode of, um, and, and there might be others, but these are like at least the, a couple clear ones when I was looking at it before that you can see people praying directly to Jesus. Uh, Acts 7, at Stephen's martyrdom, at the very end, um, when they're taking him to the pit and are about to start throwing big old boulders and rocks um, at him, uh, let's go ahead and read that. So Acts seven fifty four uh, through sixty. Right now, with a loud 
Okay. What does Stephen see? Yeah, he sees the relationship, right? He sees the glory of God. Um, the, and remember, usually when the New Testament, 99% of the time, not all the time, but usually when the New Testament is using the word God, theos, it's referring to the Father. So here you see the glory of God, so the presence of the Father manifested. And, but you see Jesus uh, at the right hand, again, so that same relationship as mediator. What's interesting here, usually Jesus is sitting at the right hand of the Father, but here he's standing. Uh, I love this scene because it's like Jesus is standing like ready to receive Stephen and approving of what Stephen is doing, you know. Um, but uh, how, does, how, does, how does Stephen pray? Who is he praying to? Jesus. Yeah, he's specifically addressing Jesus. So when we say that we pray to the Father through the mediation of the Son, that doesn't necessarily mean that you don't pray to Jesus. It just means that normally, normally when you pray, you're going to be addressing the Father. Um, while, so, but not, at the same time, not, we're not saying it's wrong to pray to Jesus. Uh, but you want to reflect, you, you, your prayers want to reflect that Trinitarian shape, okay? But we're not done because uh, we've got two, three persons. Uh, so we pray to the Father through the mediation of the Son, and we pray by, by the power of the Holy Spirit. So usually in any, as a rule of thumb, in any Trinitarian formulation, it's, the order is to the Father through the Son by the Holy Spirit. So those same prepositions, to, through, by, um, as, as, uh, as a rule of thumb. So when we think about prayer, it's the same sort of thing. We pray by the power of the Holy Spirit. So we talk about, um, we talked about that inter-Trinitarian relationship of the Father and the Son. The Father loves the Son. The Son loves the Father. The Father initiates. The Son submits and accomplishes the will of the Father. Well, the Spirit facilitates that whole relationship, he uh, enables the communication. He, he empowers the relationship, so to speak. Um, and that's what we see even reflected to us, not in the exact same way, but in a similar way uh, as adopted children. So go to Galatians 4. So if you're in Jim's, Jim's group, I think you guys are past this point in Galatians. But um, Galatians... Um, 4, 4 through 7. Someone go ahead and read that. Okay, so where do we see prayer in this? Yeah, so what is, what is the Holy Spirit, at least in this passage, what's, it, what's, he, what's he doing? Yeah, he, he, he empowers us to speak. So the Holy Spirit is speaking, and how is the Spirit described here? 
It's not just the Spirit, but the Spirit of His Son, right? So this is the same Spirit of the Son, but we, as we are adopted children of God, in the New Covenant, we are given the indwelling Spirit, the Spirit of the Son, and that Spirit, the Spirit is the one who's actually doing the crying here, uh, and notice what the Spirit cries, Abba, Father. So that's kind of interesting. It's the Spirit of the Son, and the Spirit, who's not the Son, but he's crying, Abba, Father. And really, he's enabling us to cry, Abba, Father, just like... And what's amazing about this is if you go back to Gethsemane, right, this is how Jesus talks to his Father. He uses his exact... And Mark is the where you really see this. Um, but Jesus is, is calling out um, to his Father... And we are enabled by the Spirit to do um, something similar. We are a son and a daughter um, uh, and an heir. And so what is the Spirit doing in this for prayer? Well, he's enabling the whole relationship, just like he does with his own son. Right? He's enabling this relationship of love and communication um, between us and the Father. Right? Uh, you think of another passage um, in Scripture where the Spirit would um, give us indications of how the Spirit works in prayer? There you go. Very good. You read my mind. Um, go to Romans 8.26. Uh, eight twenty six and 27. Someone go ahead and read that. So what's the Spirit doing here in terms of prayer? Yeah, intercedes. He groans too deep for words. He knows. Um, we don't know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit helps. And kind of, um, in some sense, it seems like he translates, right? Like, well, he's praying this way. But what would be a better thing to pray, you know, <laughs> you know there, there's, there's some measure of correction here because it's acknowledging our weakness. Um, but again, you think of the whole relationship, right? So we're praying to the Father through the mediation of the Son, because the Son intercedes for us. In fact, it says that a few verses later. Um, and then, uh, but by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is indwelling us. Uh, the Holy Spirit allows us to call on God as Father uh, the Holy Spirit intercedes for us, groans for us in our weakness. Um, so that's the Trinitarian shape of prayer. Um, now, uh, there's other passages, Ephesians 6.18, Jude 20, that you could look at and kind of see the same kind of picture. Now, one thing to think about, remember we've talked about prayer. Prayer is usually in the Old Testament and even in the New Testament um, oriented to God's presence in the temple. Now, we think about that with also the Spirit, right? So, 
um, in the Old Testament, saints, they're believers, um, believers in God, his promises, trusting him, walking loyally and faithfully, not perfectly, uh, by grace, through faith, um, but they don't have the indwelling spirit. They are regenerated by the spirit, but they don't have the indwelling spirit. Um, where do they go to get close to God's presence? They go to the temple. Um, it's very externalized in that sense. Um, but in the new covenant, you could say there's a shift in prayer because there's a shift in where God's presence dwells. Um, God's presence dwells in us individually as believers. He also dwells in us corporately when we gather as a temple. So the local church is a temple. We gather together. We're about to do that here shortly. Uh, the Spirit's presence, uh, we're walking as a faithful church in Lampstand, right? The Spirit's presence is among us as a temple. Um, and, um, and so there's a, there's a close, uh, there's a, we are closer to God's presence uh, in the new covenant because of the, the role of the Spirit in the new covenant um, than the Old Testament saints would have been. Um, so we think about that in terms of our privileges of prayer. But again, the emphasis is when we pray, we pray to the Father, through the Son, by the Spirit. Now, um, how does this maybe help us in our prayer lives, both individually and corporately? So maybe even, there, there are definitely times like this, we even see that in Scripture with lament, even though they are speaking words, like there's just the, kind of this grasping for language. Um, and there's even that acknowledgement of, Father, I, I don't know what to pray for. I am, I am, I don't, but I'm thankful. I know the Spirit is interceding for me, right? You see how that knowledge now of how... Uh, how the Trinity works in prayer shapes your prayer. I think another thing it can do for us is sometimes um, when we pray and we're just not clear on this, right, how the role of each person, we can kind of waffle between the Father and the Son. I thank you, Father, that you died for my sins. You know, the, son, the Father didn't die for my sins, the Son did, right? And so there's just kind of, uh, it's not like, now I'm not... God is, and in that, I'm not saying God is not gracious and kind and the Spirit is helping us to correct, you know, our foibles in prayer, because we have those all the time. But we are now able, if we're thinking about, you know, orienting ourselves to God's presence, um, and we want to speak as if we were in his presence, um, we are able to pray um, according to um, the reality of things, according to uh, the roles of the Trinity, Right, and it is right and good, and it's a way of honoring God by, by, um, by praying with more precision. And that's maybe that's a way of saying that. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Which is just amazing to think about, like, like. 
and, and also, like, we think about all of this um, in light of how, especially in the American church at large, but we can, I mean, I, I would confess this and, you know, just acknowledge, like, it's hard for us to pray, but this should encourage us to pray and to realize this is amazing because the, the, the whole trinity, like Jim just said, is involved in this. He wants us, he invites us, the Father wants us to pray this way. Jesus wants us to pray this way. The Spirit's ready to help us pray this way. So let's do it, right? Because we know um, God loves to answer prayer. He also uses prayer as a means of accomplishing his plans. We want to see his plans accomplished, so let's pray more. Um, but, you know, this, this whole, the role of the Trinity and all of this and making prayer effective um, should encourage us. Uh, Susan, I think your hand was up. Well, just pray to the Father because, um, there, again, there's not an example. When we pray, we pray to a person. And we don't pray to the essence of God, which is the oneness. We pray to, we don't pray to God in general. We pray to persons. So even in the Old Testament, right, they're, they're praying to Elohim, God, which is kind of the generic name. But again, we understand that when that, that generic name is used, it's 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 usually specifically referring to the Father um, or, you know, Yahweh, right? There's still a person. Um, so we just want to make sure that we're, we're respecting that, um, even though we know each of the persons, fully God, sharing the same essence eternally, always, forever. Um, they just have different roles in how that's all going. Okay, uh, Tony, real quick, but then we want to go to prayer, so... Absolutely. And, and, you know, thinking, it reminds me of Hebrews, right, that um, it says that he is not ashamed to call us his brothers. Uh, and by that, you know, we understand brothers and sisters. But, um, yeah, he's not ashamed to call us because he's the mediator, because he has his own sacrifice, because all of those things. So, okay, let's go ahead and end. Um, and I really want you, as you think about your prayers through the week um, really work, you know, by God's grace, ask for help from the Spirit. Um, but as you pray, pray in a Trinitarian way. Um, that's what we want to do. I'll close this.
Father, we come to you and we are just amazed um, that you love a people. And because you love the people, you sent your son to be the mediator for that people. And then you sent your spirit to indwell that people, not just individually, but corporately, to to empower us, to give call to you as Father. We thank you and we praise you. We pray that you would grow us in prayer, that we would speak to you as you deserve to be spoken to, that we would speak to you as if in your presence. Lord, we know we are sinful. We know we are weak. And yet we thank you for the promises that the Spirit who dwells in us helps us. We thank you, Spirit, that you cause us to cry, Abba, Father. We thank you that you help us in our weakness. Dear Lord Jesus, uh, the Eternal Son, we thank you that you are at the right hand of the Father. We thank you that you intercede. Lord, we, we don't want to sin, and yet we can look back at this week and see sin in terms of our thoughts and our actions, our attitudes. We can see enticement to the world um, and the flesh, we ask your forgiveness, but we also thank you that you are our advocate and our mediator with the Father and that you plead your own sacrifice of atonement such that we are justified and bear no condemnation or guilt. And we thank you. Uh, Lord, we pray that you would bless this morning in the gathering of your people as we prepare to assemble as a temple, that you would be um, honored, that our hearts that the hearts of our brothers and sisters who are going to come would be oriented towards your presence, uh, not uh, focused on themselves or um, anything else, and that they would also recognize and discern the body. Uh, even as we take the Lord's Supper, that's one of the commands of the Lord's Supper, that we discern the body, that we wait for one another because we share a brother-sister relationship with you, Lord Jesus, but also with each other. And so we pray for your blessing on this morning. We pray that you would be honored. Um, and we look forward to seeing what you will do, Holy Spirit, in our time together. Thank you, Father. Um, may you be lifted high. May you be exalted. And we pray these things in the name of Jesus. Amen.